directly with the coach. Hmm. Sounds like nothing's on. Why don't we sit around and talk ham radio? and welcome back to Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I am the one you hear every time you download a copy of Resonant Frequency. Thank you all for uh, downloading us and being with us once again. Uh, we really do appreciate it. I'd like to uh, sh- send a little shout out to those courageous hams in California out there working the, uh, working the forest fires out there. You know, I used to say I, I really uh, didn't see the point in living in a place where the ground moved, uh, everything burnt, and uh, what wasn't burning and wasn't moving was getting washed away by flooding. But uh, we've actually had an earthquake here in the course of the past month, so I really can't say too much. Uh, you guys be careful out there. As for the rest, I want you all to know that we have moved into the other weather pattern here in North Texas. Uh, We only have two seasons here. We have hot and we have not so hot. And we have moved into not so hot here. So uh, uh, in the mornings we're freezing and in the afternoon we're sweating. So, uh, yep, holiday seasons are upon us. Okay, well, we got a pretty good show for you this time around. We're going to, I've decided from looking at the uh, show suggestion forums that we're going to start a series on batteries and uh, backup power and that kind of stuff. Uh, please don't worry. We're not going to start doing that stupid season thing that some of the other podcasts are doing. Uh, if you listen to uh, mostly uh, the Linux-related programs, you'll you'll find there uh, ten shows equals a season with a a month or two month break in between. Oh, that's crap. We're gonna uh, we're gonna keep going the way we're going. And I can guarantee you that it's going to be the same way over at Linux with the Ham Shack, or Linux in the Ham Shack. Speaking of, uh, well, we ain't even to that one yet. Uh, Let's go ahead and read some of the feedback. First one I've got here, uh, I pulled out of the forums, and it seems like we're getting an awful lot of mileage out of that handheld as a first rig uh, episode. Tim, KI6BGE, a longtime listener, he's been with us since uh, way back, uh, posted in the forums, handheld as a first radio. I actually bought a Yaesu uh, FT747GX, used as my first radio for under $125. It's HF only, and I bought it before I got my license. I put the microphone away until I got my general. I did listen to a lot of CW on it and used the built-in code oscillator with RF gain at zero. The day after I got my license, 
on my 50th birthday, I bought a Yaesu FT60R and got on the air with the uh, SMA to BNC adapter for the vehicle and mounted a 2 meter, 70 centimeter antenna on it. A friend of mine got his license a while back but didn't have a radio, so the FT60R is on the semi permanent uh, loan until he can afford a rig. I also have a Kenwood THD7 dual band and a Linko 280 1.25 centimeter or 1.25 meter. Sorry, 220 for us old guys. An Icom IC 91AD dual band. Yeah, I know you got that one. And a Yaesu VX7R quad band. As I sit here in front of my work PC and listen to resonant frequency, I'm thinking about how to use one of my four handhelds to utilize my FT8900R parked 50 feet away. The FT8900R has, has 10 meters through 70 centimeters. And my VX7R has 6 meters through 70 centimeters. What would be the best combination for cross-band repeater for my equipment? 70 centimeter transmit and 6 meter receive. And the handheld, on the handheld and 6 meter transmit and 70 centimeter receive on the 8900R. Is anyone doing this? And that's signed Tim, K-I-6-B-G-E. Well, Tim, you and I, we don't talk as much as we used to, but uh, one thing I need to warn you about is that you need to check uh, the regulations concerning cross-band operation. You need to make sure that uh, you're legal at all times. Not only the FCC regulations, but the uh, rules and regulations set forth by your local uh, coordinating body. Uh, here it's the Texas VHF FM Society. It's my understanding in California y'all have two or three of them. Uh, just make sure that uh, uh, you're legal to transmit where you're going to transmit and you're legal to uh, operate uh, remotely where you're legal to operate remotely. It's like uh, here in Texas, uh, crossband repeat, you can go into your uh, you can go into your mobile on 440 and come back out on two meters, but you can't go the other direction. So uh, please be careful and check those rules closely. Our next email is from Damon NN November November 7B Bravo. Hi, uh, let's see. I must say you are my ham hero. I love your podcasts and have listened to them several times, several times over. I've been waiting for a new episode of Linux in the Ham Shack, and that's our other uh, program currently out of uh, Black Sparrow Media podcast and went to download the first episode from the Black Sparrow Media website. And I was downloading the MP3 file. Okay. For some reason, it would download about a meg and say that it was done. It would play about one meg worth of podcast, then quit. So it seems that it is the MP3 file of the episode, of episode one from Black Sparrow Media website. By the way, I've been on HF recently and heard some folks in Texas. I was listening for you, but no Richard. Thank you for all your inspiration. You've been very helpful. Oh, I just elmered my first person, uh, my brother-in-law, through to take his technician test this Tuesday. And this was uh, 
This was uh, back in the first of the month. I also told him that if he uh, studied hard, I'd pay for him to take the test. So I'm crossing my fingers. And uh, have, a, have a good one, 73. And that's Damon, uh, NN7B. And Damon, I think I sent you an email if I didn't. Well, either way, sometimes, once in a great while, uh, the server hiccups at Black Sparrow Media. The uh, service we're using, uh, the server they have us on, occasionally there'll be a hiccup in the download. I've run into this myself. Uh, we had... Uh, had short uploads, so uh, the files were short when we moved resonant frequency over to Black Sparrow Media. But uh, that particular file, I download every podcast. Uh, I download it via iTunes, and then I download it via a Linux program called HPotter. And uh, both directions, one from the website, one from iTunes, and got a full download when we first uploaded episode one. So uh, delete the file you have. Give it another try, and if that doesn't work out for you, please send me an email, and we'll work on getting you that first episode. All right, the next one we've got is from uh, Joe. Huh. Oh, here we go. Joe, November Echo 2 Zulu. we got a lot of those 2 by one calls listening to us, apparently. I enjoy the Resonant Frequency podcast and the new Linux in the Ham Shack podcast. All the best. Well, thank you, Joe, and uh, I certainly appreciate it, and I'm sure Russ will appreciate, uh, appreciate it, too. And Joe sent us a little something, sent us a donation. We uh, definitely appreciate those donations, Joe. That's what, uh, that's what keeps us going, covering what few expenses we have here at uh, Resonant Frequency and Linux in the Ham Shack. And... Uh, Let's see, the next one we got is from Bob, KB3OQY, and uh, Bob says, the Resonant Frequency podcast is outstanding. I enjoy the topics you've covered and look forward to future episodes. I learned something new with every download and have applied more than one suggestion you've discussed. We'll continue to grow in the hobby with Resonant Frequency by my side, and uh I believe Bob also sent us a donation, and also, Bob, thank you very much. While we're on the subject of donations, uh, y'all, let me tell you, uh, we do have a few expenses here, and I'm not trying to make a living off of this. I have a day job, and uh, as y'all have noticed, this uh, particular episode is a couple days late because my day job has really been challenging, but uh, it does, there is some out-of-pocket out-of-pocket expense here at Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. And I'm not asking y'all to uh, uh, mortgage your firstborn child, but uh, the way I look at it, if you've learned something from any episode of Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast, that episode is worth a dollar. And you can't buy a soda for that, and even though a gallon of gasoline is down to $1.84 here in North Texas, $1.84 in North Texas that is still uh, more than a dollar. You can't buy a candy bar for that. Uh, you can buy Little Debbie snack cakes for that, but uh, it turns out that they're putting less and less stuff inside those boxes. So please, I understand times are tight, but like I said, if this program is showing a per showing 
uh, is gets, has some purpose and uh, you feel that it has helped you, then throw a few dollars this way. I mean, I had one guy, I, I used to be real good about saying, if all you can send is a dollar, send a dollar. And sure enough, one of our listeners sent a dollar. And it could very well have been a joke, but I appreciate that as much as any other donation. Because if somebody only sends a dollar, that means that that's all they could afford, but at least they took the time to do it. So, uh, whoop, beep, 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 beep. That means race season that's about ready. So, uh, let me go ahead and, uh, what else did I need to tell y'all? Oh, yes. Y'all make sure you visit the forums over at Black Sparrow Media. Send me some email. Feedback, feedback, feedback. We love feedback. And with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next segment. segment formerly known as Buzzword, let's, uh, let's talk about memory effect. Uh, I'm sure y'all have been uh, introduced to it, seen it, are familiar with it. Uh, it has to do with uh, uh, battery packs for us more than anything else. It's sometimes claimed that NICAD batteries suffer from a memory effect. If they are recharged before they have fully discharged, the apparent symptom, yeah, the apparent symptom is that the battery remembers the point in its charge cycle where the recharging began. And during subsequent uh, charges or sub subsequent use, suffers from a sudden drop in voltage at that point, as if the battery had been discharged. The capacity of the battery is not actually reduced substantially. Some electronics designed to be powered by NICADs are able to withstand the reduced voltage long enough for the voltage to return to normal. But if the device is unable to operate through this period of decreased vo voltage, the device will be unable to get as much energy out of the battery, and for all practical purposes, the battery has a reduced capacity. There is controversy about whether memory effect actually exists or whether it is a uh, serious problem or as is sometimes believed. Some critics claim it is used to promote nickel metal hydride batteries which apparently suffer this effect to a lesser extent. Many nickel cadmium batteries manufacturers either deny the effect exists or are silent on the matter. It has been suggested that the memory effect story originated with orbiting satellites where they were typically charging for 12 hours and out of, out of 24 hours. 
After this time, it was found that the capacities of the batteries had declined significantly, but were still perfectly fit for use. It is thought unlikely that the precise repetitive charging would ever be reproduced by consumers using electronic goods. Now, the thing about this is that for those of y'all that have been around a while, uh, memory effect is a real problem with nickel metal, or not, not nickel metal hydride batteries, but NICADs. And uh, I myself have had to toss more than one battery pack because I couldn't get it to come back after it had developed memory effect. So this is a real problem for us. Uh, there are ways to avoid that, and uh, uh, one of them is to make sure you discharge your battery. Uh, nickel cadmium, batter cadmium batteries are not designed, or because of the way they're made, uh, cannot take, uh, get on them, use them for five minutes, and then go charge them. You should always uh, drain that these particular batteries, NICADs, down uh, as far as you can before you go to recharge them. There are other things that may cause this uh, particular thing to happen. Uh, it's always best to slow charge a battery whenever possible. It not only uh, extends the uh, useful life of these batteries, but it also uh, helps to avoid memory effect. Yeah, we're under the flight path today, y'all. But uh, I found that, yes, I use rapid chargers. Uh, I have to have my batteries charged up quickly when I go to use them. If I find that one is not charged, I need to be able to get it charged in time for use. So, yes, I use rapid chargers. But I have found that I've gotten the most battery life out of battery packs that I have slow charged using a wall wart or whatever. But memory effect is a, a true problem for us and it's something we need to keep our eyes on. There's a lot of good information out there on uh, how to avoid memory effect in your NICAD uh, battery packs. Uh, memory effect is uh, something that really can be an issue. Another thing that goes along hand in hand with memory effect is uh, an effect with similar symptoms to the memory effect and it's called voltage depression or lazy battery effect. This revolt results from repeated overcharging. The symptom is that the battery appears to be fully charged but discharges quickly after only a brief period of operation. Sometimes much of the lost capacity can be recovered by a few deep discharge cycles a function often provided by automatic NICAD chargers. However, this process may reduce the shelf life of the battery. If treated well, a NICAD battery can last a thousand charge cycles. And that's a lot of charging, y'all. Uh, my, yeah, my VX150 here will run for a couple days on a charge on a battery pack. That is if I don't overuse it you know, use it a lot. But a thousand cycles, that's definitely something to uh, to uh, be impressed by. It's capacity, before its capacity drops to half its original capacity. Now, memory effect, once again, and lazy battery. These are things that are, are not 
particular to NICAD batteries, but we find them most co- most commonly in NICAD batteries. And uh, like I said, it's something we need to, uh, to keep our eyes out for, learn more about, and uh, try and find ways to avoid. So there you are with another short buzzword. And uh, y'all remember Memory Effect. Go out and bone up on it. And with that, I guess we'll move on to the next segment. talk about NICAD batteries, and what brought this up is I was looking through the uh, forum, the uh, episodes or show request section of the forum over at Black Sparrow Media, and uh, I see that there's an interest in uh, battery power, emergency power, uh, that kind of stuff, so I think we're going to do a few episodes on just those subjects and one of the things I wanted to start with is probably the most common uh, type of batteries that we use in amateur radio at this time which is uh, NICADs. Now I probably shouldn't say NICAD because NICAD is actually a registered trademark of the SAFT corporation who uh, uh, produces nickel cadmium batteries. But you know how it is, uh, people being people. You know, we we refer to most sodas as a Coke, and uh, you know we tend we tend to uh, boil it down to one easily recognizable thing. And even as amateur radio operators, we like to shorten things. That's why we use Q signals on a vo- on a uh, on a phone circuit. So, uh, for the sake of uh, at least this episode. Uh, we'll refer to nickel cadmium batteries as NICADs. Now, you may wonder, may be wondering why they call them nickel cadmium batteries. Well, it's a type of battery that's rechargeable and uses nickel oxide hydro, hydroxide and uh, the metal cadmium for its electrodes. 
Like I said before, the abbreviation NICAD is a registered trademark of the SAFT Corporation and should not be used to refer to NICAD batteries, but we do anyway. Although the brand name is commonly used to describe all nickel-cadmium batteries, on the other hand, the abbreviated NICAD, or NICD, is derived from the chemical symbols of nickel and cadmium, though it is not to be confused with a chemical formula. There are two types of NICAD batteries, sealed and vented. This, are, uh, this particular episode will concern itself with uh, uh, sealed batteries. Now, what are the advantages of a NICAD battery? Well, the principal advantages of NICAD over other rechargeable types of types is lower weight for a given quantity of stored energy, good charging efficiency, and small variation in terminal voltage during discharge, low internal resistance, and a non-critical charging condition. Okay. Now, we see NICADs in applications like uh, individually assembled battery uh, individually or as assembled battery packs containing two or more cells. Small NICAD dry cells are used for portable electronics and toys, often using cells manufactured in the same sizes as primary cells. When NICADs are substituted for primary cells, the lower terminal voltage and smaller amp hour capacity may reduce performance as compared to primary cells. That didn't make a lot of sense to me, but hey, it's the gestalt of the thing. Uh, let's see. Speciality NICAD batteries have a niche market in the area of cordless and wireless telephones, emergency lighting, model airplanes, as well as power tools. Yeah, I know you guys have been to the Home Depot and seen them, uh, seen them sawzalls and drills that run on them NICADs and lusted over them just like I have. Okay, with a relatively low internal resistance, a NICAD battery can supply high surge currents. This makes them a favorable choice for remote-controlled electric uh, model airplanes, boats, cars, as well as cordless power tools and camera flash units. Larger flooded cells are used for aircraft starter batteries, electric vehicles, and standby power. Now, uh, the voltages, nickel cadmium cells have a nominal cell potential of 1.2 volts. This is lower than the 1.5 volts of many, prim uh, many popular primary cells. And qu consequently, they are not appropriate as a replacement for all applications. You know, uh, I'm sure you've seen some of the uh, the add-on uh, battery packs that you can get for your handhelds that um, they don't hold. They hold more uh, rechargeable NICADs than or hold less uh, alkaline batteries than you would expect for the given battery pack size. Unlike common primary cells, a NICAD cell's terminal voltage only discharges a little as it changes a little as it discharges. Because many electronic devices are designed to work with primary cells that may discharge to as low as 0.90 to 1 volt 
per cell. The relatively steady 1.2 volt of the NICAD is enough to allow operation. Some would consider the near constant voltage a drawback as it makes it difficult to detect when the battery charge is low. NICAD batteries used to replace nominal 9 volt transistor radio batteries usually only have 6 cells for a terminal voltage of 7.2 volts. While most pocket radios will operate satisfactorily at this voltage, some manufacturers such as Varta made 8.4 volt batteries with 7 cells for more critical applications. 12 volt NICAD batteries are made up of 10 cells connected in series. And that makes sense. 1.2 volts times 10 is 12 volts. Now a little history. First nickel cadmium battery was created by Valdemir Jungner. Y'all know I mess these names up. Of Sweden in 1899. Yes, they've been around that long. At that time, the only direct competitor was the lead-acid battery, which was less, was less physically and chemically robust. With minor improvements to the first prototypes, energy density rapidly increased to about half of that of the primary batteries and significantly, significantly greater lead-acid batteries. Greater than. Jungner experimented with substituting iron for cadmium in varying quantities, but found the iron formulations to be wanting. Jungner, uh, Jungner's work was largely unknown in the United States, allowing Thomas Edison to steal the battery design, where he introduced the nickel-iron battery to the U.S. two years after Jungner had built one. In 1906, Jungner established a battery, a factory in Sweden to produce flooded design nickel cadmium batteries. All that stuff turned the last, not the last century, but uh, yeah, the turn of the last century. So uh, the first production in the United States began in 1946. Up to this point, the batteries were pocket-type constructed of nickel-plated steel pockets containing nickel and cadmium as active materials. Around the middle of the 20th century, centered-plated, S-I-N-T-E-R-E-D, centered-plate nickel-cadmium batteries became increasingly popular, fusing nickel powder at a temperature well below its melting point, using high pressures created creates centered plates. The plates thus formed are highly porous, about 80% by volume. Positive and negative plates are produced by soaking the nickel plates in nickel and cadmium active materials, respectively. Centered plates are usually much thinner than the pocket type, resulting in greater surface area per volume. The higher currents in general, and higher currents in general, the greater amount of reactive material surface area in the battery, the lower its internal resistance. 
Now, more recent developments, you know, in the, in the past few, few decades, nickel cadmium batteries now have internal resistance as low as alkaline batteries. Today, all con- consumer nickel cadmium batteries are use the jelly roll design. This design incorporates several layers of anode and cathode material rolled into a cylindrical shape. Now, these are very popular, the uh, NICAD batteries. Uh, Advances in battery manufacturing technologies throughout the second half of the 20th century have made batteries increasingly cheaper to produce. Battery-powered devices in general have increased in popularity. As of 2000, about 1.5 billion nickel-cadmium batteries were produced annually. While NICAD never became widely used as a replacement for lead-acid batteries, in the areas where these batteries dominate, up until the mid-1990s, NICADs had an overwhelming majority of the market share for rechargeable batteries in consumer electronics. So, yeah. Now, the variant uh, of that, something that's come along and re- come along uh, a little later, was uh, nickel metal hydride and lithium batteries. Nickel metal hydride and lithium ion batteries have become more commercially available and cheaper. The former type now rivaling NICADs in cost. Where energy density is important, NICAD batteries are now at a distinct disadvantage over nickel metal hydride and lithium ion batteries. That's more bang for the buck, y'all. I mean, uh, uh, nickel metal hydride and lithium ion batteries, they have a, a greater uh, energy density, more power for the same amount of size. This and environmental considerations have largely regulated the NICAD, the NICAD's construction to history. However, the NICAD battery is still very useful in applications requiring very high discharge rates because the NICAD can endure such discharge with no damage or loss of capacity. And that's where we come in. Um, there's a pretty big discharge when you key a transmitter. Uh, you, you draw on that battery really hard. And uh, the only one of the things I can one of the things I can relate that to in my mind is an auto, automobile battery, a car battery, because your standard car battery is designed to l- deliver a lot of energy in a short burst. And we'll talk about that in a future episode. But what it boils down to is that's why they have these high cranking amps is because uh, when you go to start that car, that's when you use the most energy in the shortest duration of time is starting your vehicle. After that, the alternator not only can keep the car running, but recharge the battery that's in the vehicle. Well, it's the same way in the case of uh, uh, your radios. Um in the previous buzzword segment, we talked about memory effect. I've seen radios that uh, you could only talk on for an hour because of the uh, battery pack developing memory effect, but that same radio on that same battery pack could monitor for 24, 36, 48 hours on that same battery because of the uh, lesser need for energy in a big burst. Uh, 
So let's talk about the advantages of an ICAD battery. When compared to other forms of rechargeable battery, the nickel cadmium battery has a number of distinct advantages. The batteries are more difficult to damage than other batteries, tolerating deep discharge for long periods, and in fact, NICAD batteries in long-term storage are typically stored fully discharged. This is in contrast, for example, to lithium-ion batteries, which are highly volatile and will be permanently damaged if discharged below a minimum voltage. In addition, NICAD batteries typically last longer in terms of number of charge and discharge cycles than other rechargeable batteries and have faster charge and discharge rates than lead-acid batteries with minimal loss of capacity over a high, oh, even at high discharge rates. The most common alternative to NICAD batteries are lead-acid batteries. Compared to these, NICAD batteries have a much higher energy density. That's what I was looking for a while ago, energy density. This means that for a given battery capacity, a NICAD battery is smaller and lighter than a comparable lead-acid battery. In cases where size and weight are important considerations, for example, some transportation applications, NICAD batteries are preferred over the cheaper lead-acid batteries. In consumer applications, NICAD batteries compete directly with alkaline batteries. A NICAD cell has a lower capacity than that of an equivalent alkaline cell and costs slightly more. However, since the alkaline battery's chemical reaction is typically not reversible, that means that you're not likely to be able to take your alkalines out of uh, out of your recorder or your, whatever you use uh, your double A's in and charge them back up. The NICAD, on the other hand, a reusable NICAD battery has a significantly higher total lifetime because you can recharge it. There have been attempts to create rechargeable alkaline batteries such as Railvac's rechargeable alkaline renewal or specialized alkaline battery chargers, but none that have seen wide usage. In addition, a NICAD battery maintains a constant voltage as it discharges. Since an alkaline battery's voltage drops as the charge drops, most consumer applications are well equipped to deal with slightly lower NICAD voltage with no noticeable loss of performance. So how's it size up next to nickel metal hydride batteries? Well, nickel metal hydride batteries are the newest and most popular competitor to the NICAD. Compared to NICAD, NIMH, or nickel metal hydride batteries, have a higher capacity and are less toxic and are now more cost-effective in addition to NICAD battery has a lower self-discharge rate. This results in a performance for NICAD over nickel metal hydride, nickel metal hydride, sorry folks, in applications where the current draw on the battery is lower than the battery's own self-discharge rate. In both types of cell, 
the self-discharge rate is highest for a full-charge state and drops off somewhat for lower-charge states. In addition, like alkaline batteries, nickel-metal hydride batteries experience a voltage drop as it nears full discharge, which a NICAD does not. Finally, a similarly sized NICAD battery has a slightly lower internal resistance and thus can achieve a higher maximum discharge rate, which can be important for applications such as power tools. Of course, we're our only power tools are our radios, I guess. Now, I'm still dreaming of the that battery-powered sawzall at the Home Depot. Now, disadvantages of the NICAD. Uh, the primary trade-off with NICADs is their high cost and the extreme toxicity. Yes, they are toxic, y'all. They require extra labor to manufacture and thus are typically more costly than lead-acid batteries. Typically, nickel and cadmium are more costly materials than those used in lead-acid batteries. Specifically, if the battery is consistently discharged to the same level, then fully recharged, the battery will eventually stop discharging on its own upon reaching this threshold. And that's what we uh, talked about in the buzzword this time around, memory effect. One of the nickel cadmium's biggest disadvantages was that the battery exhibited a very marked negative temperature coefficient. This meant that as the cell temperature rose, the internal resistance fell. This can pose considerable charging problems, particularly with a relatively simple charging system employed by lead-acid type batteries. While lead-acid type batteries uh, could be discharged by simply connecting a dynamo to it or something to uh, draw, putting a load on it, with a simple, electro, simple electromagnetic cutout system for when the dynamo is stationary or an overcurrent occurs, the nickel cadmium under a similar charging scheme would exhibit thermal runaway where the charging current would continue to rise until the overcurrent cutout operated or the battery destroyed itself. This is the principal factor that prevented its use for engine starting batteries. Today, with alternator-based charging systems with solid-state regulators, the construction of a suitable charging system would be relatively simple, but the car manufacturers are reluctant to abandon tried and tested technology in any event. Nickel-cadmium batteries, battery technology is falling out of favor. Now, as far as availability, NICAD cells are available in the same general purpose physical sizes as alkaline batteries, from AAA to D batteries. And uh, each cell has a nominal potential voltage of 1.2 volts, compared to the nominal 1.5 volt potential of an alkaline battery. More specifically, a fully charged single NICAD cell under no load carries a potential difference of between 1.25 and 1.35 volts, which stays relatively consistent 
as the battery is discharged. Since the alkaline battery near fully discharged may see its voltage drop to as low as 0.9 volts, the NICAD cells and alkaline cells are typically interchangeable for most applications. Miniature button cells are sometimes used in photographic equipment, handheld lamps, um, computer memory, standbys, toys, novelties, uh, watch batteries, hearing aids, all kinds of stuff. In addition to single cells, batteries exist that contain up to 300 cells. That's a 360 volt battery, y'all. This, this many cells are mostly used in automotive and heavy-duty industrial applications. For portable applications, the number of cells is normally below 18 cells, below 24 volts. Industrial-sized flooded batteries are available with capacities ranging from 12.5 amp-hours up to several hundred amp-hours. So, let's talk a little bit about charging. We're getting pretty close to the end of this segment. And uh, NICAD batteries can charge at several different rates, depending on how the cells were was manufactured. The charge rate is measured based upon the percentage of amp-hour capacity the battery is fed as a steady uh, current over the duration of the charge. Regardless of the charge speed, more energy must be supplied to the battery than its actual capacity. Yes, you heard it right, friends. Regardless of the charge speed, more energy must be supplied to the battery than its actual capacity to account for energy loss during charging. With faster charges being more efficient, for example, the typical overnight charge, called a C C10 charge, is accomplished by applying 10% of the battery's total capacity for a period of 14 hours. That is, a 100 milliamp hours, 100 milliamp hour battery takes 140 milliamps of energy to charge it at this rate. At the fast charge rate, done at 100% of the rated capacity, the battery holds roughly 80% of the charge. So a 100 milliamp hour battery takes 120 milliamps milliamp hour of energy to charge. That is approximately one hour and 15 minutes. The downside of the faster charging is a higher risk of overcharging, which can damage the battery. And that goes back to slow charging and fast charging battery packs again. The safe temperature range for a NICAD battery in use is between uh, minus 20 degrees Celsius and 45 degrees uh, and 45 degrees Celsius. During charging, the battery temperature typically stays low, around zero degrees. The charging reaction absorbs heat. But as the battery nears full charge, the temperature will rise to 45 to 50 degrees Celsius. Some battery chargers detect this temperature increase and, and cut off the charging to prevent overcharging. Uh, I know one or two of my chargers here have a, uh, have a thermal switch on them. When not under load 
or charge, a NICAB battery will self-discharge approximately 10% per month at 20 degrees Celsius, ranging up to 20% per month at higher temperatures. It is possible to perform a trickle charge at current levels just high enough to offset the discharge rate to keep a battery fully charged. However, if the battery is going to be stored unused for a long period of time, it should be discharged down to at least 40% of capacity. Some manufacturers recommend fully discharging or even short-circuiting and store it in a cool place, cool dry environment. Inspecting the batteries, the battery should be should have no external damage, and depending on the number of cells, in, it should have 1.3 volts to 1.4 volts per cell when fully charged, and about 0.8 to 1 volt when discharged. High quality NICADs have a thermal cutout. So if the battery gets too hot, the charger stops. You know, this this is having to do with chargers. If a NICAD is still warm from discharging and been put on charge, it will not get the full charge possible. In that case, let the battery cool at room temperature, then charge. Watch for the correct polarity. Leave, char leave charger in a cool place at room temperature when charging to get the best results. Now, I wanted to talk about reverse charging them. Yeah, cell reversal. That's something I want to get in before we finish this segment. Uh, another potential problem in is reverse charging. This can occur due to an error by the user, or more commonly, when the battery has several cells that are fully discharged when you go to charge them because there is a slight variation in the capacity of each cell in the battery. One of the cells will usually be fully discharged before the others, at which point reverse charging begins, become, begins seriously damaging the cell, reducing the battery life. The byproduct of the reverse charge is hydrogen gas. Now, you're not going to notice this probably in a... Uh, handheld battery pack, but in larger uh, batteries, you're definitely going to notice if there's hydrogen released because you're going to smell it, uh, which can in some cases be dangerous because hydrogen is a volatile gas and it doesn't take much to uh, touch it off, make it uh, burn, which, uh, let's see. Some commentators advise that one should never discharge multi-cell nickel-cadmium batteries to zero voltage. For example, uh, flashlights should be turned off when they are yellow before they go out completely. Individual cells may be fully discharged to zero volts, and some of the battery manufacturers recommend this if the cells are going to be stored for a long time. At least one manufacturer even recommends short-circuiting, and that would be like clipping something across the terminals so that, anyway, uh, each cell for storage. However, it is normally recommended that NICAD batteries be charged to around 40% capacity for long-term storage. A common f 
form of this deprecation occurs when cells connected to a series in series develop unequal charges and discharge near zero voltage. The first cell that reaches zero is pushed beyond the negative voltage and gases generated upon open the seal and dry the cell. In modern cells, an excessive of antipolar material, basically active material ballast at positive electron, yeah, is inserted to allow for moderate negative charge without damage to the cell. This excess material slows down the start of oxygen generation at the negative plate. This means a cell can survive a negative voltage of about negative 0.2 to negative 0.4 volts. However, if discharge is con continued even further, this excess ballast is used up and both electrodes change polarity, causing destructive gases. Battery packs with multiple cells in series should be operated well above one volt per cell to avoid replacing uh, avoid placing the lowest capacity cell in danger of going negative. Battery packs that can be disassembled into cells should be periodically zeroed and charged individually to equalize the voltages. However, this does not help if old and new cells are mixed since their difference capacities will result in different discharges, discharge times, and voltages. It is sometimes claimed that NICAD batteries suffer from memory effect, and we spoke uh, about that earlier. And without going over that another time, uh, we, uh, well, let's do den dendritic shorting. Y'all have heard about dendritic shorting, and uh, dendritic shorting is, well, basically, NICAD batteries, when not used regularly, tend to develop dendrites, which are thin conductive crystals which may penetrate the separator membrane between the electrodes. This leads to internal short, short circuits and premature failure, long before the 800 to 1,000 charge cycles claimed by most vendors. Sometimes, applying a brief high current and you've heard of somebody zapping a battery, I'm sure. But a brief high current charging pulse to individual cells can clear these dendrites, but they will typically reform within a few days or even hours. Cells in this state have reached the end of their useful life and should be replaced. Many battery guides circulated on the internet and online and, and online auctions promise to restore dead cells using the above principle, but achieve very short-term results at best. Okay, well that's about all we're going to be able to do on NICAD batteries, but like I said, we're going to, we're going to do a whole series of shows on batteries and emergency power and stuff like that. I figure that can keep us going for, uh, for quite a while, and I know you guys, y'all just eat this stuff up. As far as NICAD batteries are concerned, battery packs in general, uh, it's uh, always a good idea to know as much as you can about your equipment. And uh, for most of us, that includes uh, 
battery packs of the nickel metal hydride, NICAD, and lithium ion type. So, uh, wouldn't hurt to uh, go on out there and give it all a good read. Okay, well, for this particular time, I think we've uh, wore out everything, every opportunity that NICAD batteries afford us at this time. So, with that, I think we'll go ahead and ease on into the next segment. Pretty much wraps it up for Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. Uh, I hope y'all have enjoyed this episode. And uh, like I said, if y'all have feedback, go ahead and send it to me at kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com. Blacksparrowmedia.com, kb5jbv. Or visit the forums over at blacksparrowmedia.com and leave us some feedback there. Uh, we're starting to get a pretty good uh, community going over there. Uh, posts are a little on the slow side, but uh, it's getting there. It's definitely getting there. I'd also uh, like y'all to visit the uh, Linux in the Ham Shack website and give that a listen also. That's uh, blacksparrowmedia.com stroke Linux or LHS, Linux in the Ham Shack. Uh, we're uh, coming up on episode four. So uh, you're getting in on the ground floor. All righty. Uh, I, I want to let you all know I'm aware of the uh, popping issue at the beginning of the episode, and uh, I will do what do what I can to remedy that. 
before we uh, before we record again. And uh, I'd like to thank all of you, all of you for uh, your feedback, your support. Uh, we're get regularly getting eight and nine hundred downloads an episode, and that right there is really good for a uh, a niche type podcast like we are. Alrighty, well uh, I've done that. I'd like to thank uh, uh, Russ, my co-host over at Linux in the Ham Shack, for all his help uh, on different things. I'd like to thank my wife for putting up with me, the dogs for uh, maintaining quiet while I'm trying to record, and all of you. So uh, y'all, uh, y'all check us out next time around, cause uh, yeah, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do backup. Emergency power, battery packs, all that good stuff over the next few shows. Uh, looks like it may very well be uh, very interesting. Who knows, we might even get back to tackling antennas before it's over with. Well, with that, uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Y'all take care of yourselves out there, especially you guys out in California. And... Uh, with that, you know, take care of yourself and take care of your family. And, uh, y'all enjoy Thanksgiving. And with that, I guess we'll just say, uh, I don't know, let's do something unique like 73.